श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जय भोर भक्त वृंद की जय भोर प्रमान हरि बो सो प्रणाम टू ऑल ऑफ यू फ्रॉम श्री जगन्नाथपुरी धाम हियर आई एम इन श्री गोपीनाथ गौदियामाथ वन ऑफ द फ्यू टेम्पल्स एट द मिशन ऑफ श्रीला भक्ति विभूदा बोदाय महाराज श्रीला भक्ति प्रमोद पुरी महाराज सक्सेस हियर इन पुरी हियर दे हैंग्लिश Uh, if possible for those who can invite you to activate your your camera so i can have the the species darshana of the vaishnavas that's always a great fortune for my for my senses and sight if not no problem i'll try to connect even beyond sight <clears throat> so uh well as you may know the idea in this type of series is to invite all of you the ones who are connected live to present any questions any topics you may have and you may like to invite me to comment upon and of course you can share we can share further thoughts and conclusions amongst ourselves so the option for unmuting yourself is activated if you want uh, or if not if you have any questions and you may prefer to send it in a written form via chat that's also an option so Are there any questions? Any first question today? Hi, Krishna Maharaj. Namaste. Good. Uh, I there's a lot of buzz around the two podcasts that you did, uh, that we did with uh, Sundar Gopal Prabhu, and then before that with you. I was wondering if you had any thoughts uh, that you could share regarding Sundar Gopal Prabhu's presentation. Hmm. Okay. um uh, thanks for the invitation uh yeah i have a few thoughts i have quite a few thoughts <laughs> but also as well as i'm sure he has quite a few thoughts and he was not able to present them all in the podcast that he himself mentioned many times it was just a snapshot of what he plans to make a more comprehensive presentation on september the, the 18th through a talk and also a a paper 120 pages paper so how to say my attempt to to respect his uh, presentation and, and and the snapshot he shared and, and how he plans to expand on on that in two weeks or so i will personally also prefer to to wait for that in order to comment and share my thoughts after he has really shared all that he has to share at this point basically of his research so because i think if i may share many points now which are there present in my mind uh, it may not be it may may not be fully fair in the sense that i know he <clears throat> he he was not able to share all those topics as i know what does feel to I, i was in your podcast and of course we had two hours to speak and more but also so many things are never able to be fully elaborate upon so i i know what it feels <laughs> to wanting to say so many things have been not able to do so and that's why he has written a, a 120 page paper and i'm writing a 
400 page books <laughs> so <laughs> we need some uh, some time for further elaboration so personally I will like honor and, and respect his his presentation and, and wait till that moment but I may share at least one point that may may apply to whatever he said but also goes beyond his presentation and, and the particular topic on, on whether bhakti is inherent or not in the jiva that I was thinking these days and it's an interesting uh, phenomenon that may affect all of us on one point or another in our practice and it's this idea of <clears throat> and this may be another topic altogether another episode if you will another book <laughs> And the idea of considering the Acharya Anitya Sita and, and all the implications that uh, that can have. Again, not, I'm not referring here specifically to Sundar Gopal or to the, the specific point of our podcast. Of course, that may be applicable to that on one level, but it goes quite beyond that. this particular case. Because I've seen in, in our Gaudiya community this this tendency to see the Guru as a Nitya Siddha and while I'm not against the possibility of that being the case, of course, <laughs> I'm also open to the possibility of that not being the case, maybe even in most cases. Uh, while the Guru may not be a Nitya Siddha, the Guru may be a Sadhana Siddha, or even the Guru may not be a Siddha even. The Guru may be a Sadaka, an advanced Sadaka at least. We have heard from from most of our gurus that a guru at least should be a Madhyam Adhikari ideally an advanced Madhyam Adhikari so if you are if you are a Madhyam Bhakta it means you are not a Siddha basically and there, is, there should be no problem with that that's my point now the implications of this idea is that sometimes we may feel if someone is a Nitya Siddha uh, or, or basically my, my, our gurus have to be all of them Nitya Siddha because if they are not Nitya Siddha uh, they are lower than that, and that's a problem. Even if they are sadhana siddhas, we may think that's a problem, or, or we are being offensive if we say something like that. Uh, well, that's not necessarily the case. You know, whenever Prabhupada was presented with this question, who is more advanced, a sadhana siddha or, or a nitya siddha, who is higher, higher, he basically said the important word here is siddha. <laughs> it's not so important whether it is sadhana siddha or nitya siddha, but siddha. But sometimes we may, we may get this type of necessity of having a, a seed as a guru, like the topmost, highest possibility, as a, as a way of giving us like reassurance in maybe our particular level of faith, that we need to feel my guru is the topmost, highest possible Mahabhagavat, Putam, Adhikari, Rasik, Vaishnava or something. But... It may not be the case and it shouldn't be a problem. And this is tied to the idea of the notion that if my guru is an Nitya Siddha, let's say your guru is an Nitya Siddha, we may think, so since he's an Nitya Siddha, therefore whatever he or she is saying is on an absolute platform. And for example, if I will suggest that some of that, those personalities have presented a, a preaching strategy, <laughs> that's somehow downplaying the position of Nitya Siddha or the dignity of our Guru Bhargava. Again, it's just, I'm given a snapshot also of <laughs> something that I may elaborate upon eventually. But again, this goes beyond this particular situation and topic and I want to share it because of its universal 
application. So sometimes we may feel that. If I accept that the Nitya Siddha Acharya presented something that may be a preaching strategy, let's, let's use some other word if that's too traumatizing for some, some outreach technique or circumstantial adjustment or whatever the term you feel more comfortable with. <laughs> if you feel that implying that he may have said that is downplaying him or that's a problem, Actually, it's not necessarily so. It may be more a problem with our faith that is not capable to accommodate such things. For example, we, in our last podcast, we made the two of us, we were speaking about the fall of the jiva. And we spoke about how, for example, Srila Prabhupada said, we fall from Vaikuntha at times, and at times he said, we no one falls from Vaikuntha. So the two of them cannot go together. I mean, the two of them cannot be the Siddhanta. That's the point. So if one is the Siddhanta, how do you call the other one? According to the thoughts of many devotees, if something is not Siddhanta, it's Apa Siddhanta. And Anita Siddha cannot preach Apa Siddhanta. That's downplaying him. So my question will be, well, how do you then explain the fact that Srila Prabhupada say we fall from Vaikuntha, we do not fall from Vaikuntha. One is the Siddhanta and the other one is the what? Apasiddhanta. So is, is that a problem? Not for me at least, and not, not, for, not for you, hopefully. Because, again, the, the Acharya may present Apasiddhanta in a certain particular way, trying to gradually lead his, her disciple towards the ultimate Siddhanta. I mean, there's, for me, that's the best way I'm trying to explain this. Of course, as you may know, I told you, I presented my notion that I thought I consider at the time of our first interview what Bhaktivinoda Thakur said was a preaching strategy. I know that created some uh, agitation in the audience. And not because of the agitation, but because of some further thoughts I have and some interesting conversations I had with Lalit Madhav Prabhu. And of course, nourishing myself from also whatever um, Sundar Gopal has been saying and will continue saying and some other Vaishnavs. I'm rethinking uh, my approach to that situation, of course, not to the point of changing my mind regarding whether Bhakti is inherent or not, but trying to explain what's the background to whatever they have said. But the point is, nonetheless, I found that there is not consistency, if you will. They are not saying always the same thing. So, I mean, we cannot force that. The, the evidence is there. And again, by saying that is not that I'm trying to put them, downplay them. I'm just trying to make sense of whatever I met in my way and I have, I'm trying to harmonize that. So my point is, again, if you say that someone like Prabhupada say, we fall from Vaikuntha, we do not fall from Vaikuntha, you have to pick one of the two. You cannot just embrace the two of them and say the two are Siddhanta. So what do you do with that one that is not the Siddhanta? Where, how do you label that for that not to be a problem? So my point is this, no? sometimes for some devotees there is some, in their level of faith, some necessity of absolutizing whatever the, the Guru said. But when you find two con- so-called apparently contradictory statements that you cannot absolutize the two of them at the same time without conflict, there you have to do something. No? And, and the something, of course, is not just to cherry pick the one is more comfortable, but know how to deal with them. And of course, with Bhaktivinoda or something similar happens. I don't want to enter into detail now, but there are different nuanced statements from him in regarding not only whether Bhakti is inherent or not, some other topics as well. 
So, <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to mention that point, which I think is an interesting uh, idea to develop and to think about in our Gaudiya community, you know, which, is, which are the implications of uh, thinking, okay, the, our gurus are Nita Siddha, or some of them at least are Nita Siddha, and, and what's, what's for us the implications of a guru being Nita Siddha? Because generally, maybe all this is happening in a subconscious level, underlying our like external words, but behind that is this idea of maybe lots of fear of not knowing what to do if something else appears that is not from the absolute platform. But again, some thoughts. Again, more in detail I will prefer to to speak after the, the 18th and after taking the time to hear what whatever my dear Sunda Gopal has to say and of course reading his paper in detail, trying to honor his his research and I don't know, maybe we can have another episode in that regard, let's see. <laughs> so thank you for your question. <clears throat> so an another question. <clears throat> I have something. Um, I guess I can turn my camera on. I'm, I'm a little under the weather, so I don't look 100%. Jai Jagannath? I appreciate it. And discussing, we've been, Namras and I, we're, we share a little WhatsApp group where there's a lot of um, post conversation after Sumerian Gopal's particular podcast. And he's actually changed his position quite a bit, it seems, because he's been having back-and-forth conversation with Ujjala, mm. who challenged him on a lot of the points presented in the podcast. So i also be interested to see how he updates his paper in light of this changed position. But the question that's coming up for me, and it came up for some of the guys in this group that we participate in, what are the what is the real implication in your in one's personal life as a bhakti practitioner of these philosophical ideas? Because I'm remembering Bhakti Thakur's Krishna Samhita where he speaks about ass like and swan like neophytes and madhyam bhaktas or madhyam adhikaris. And he says the ass like kanishas, they like to fight over externals. And they ask, like, Madhim Arikaris like to fight over philosophical points. And obviously, understanding Siddhanta is important for our approach towards Krishna, you know, Yeyatamampapadyante, in accordance with the nature of our approach to Krishna, he reciprocates. And obviously, our understanding of Siddhanta is going to have a major implication on the nature of our approach. But what is your understanding of the major implication of this particular topic? of bhaktis inherits or non-inherits. Um, yeah, but it's a major implication in the life of a sadhaka in their personal life. Like, it seems to me that the major implication is, it has some relation to, like, Raghunu with sadhana bhakti. And I know, like, in, you know, in my ISKCON sangha, we say, well, bhakti is inherent, you know, rasa is already there, so you don't really need to do Raghunu with sadhana because just by chanting, Harinam, then when the Maya is removed, then your Rasa will just like kind of emerge and it's mm. in a spontaneous sort of way. Mm. Whereas, it, you know, in other thoughts, it's like, well, no, Bhakti isn't inherent, so Raghunuga Sadhana becomes absolutely 
you know, critical, you really have to follow the Regiloka, you know, in your Sada Karupa and in this, like, mysterious Siddharupa contemplative form that, like, you really have to do that because Bhakti is an inherent. So I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on that subject matter because um, in our group, in our little WhatsApp group, this was becoming, that, that was, like, seems like the more important question whether or not bhakti is inherent or not. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for your points. Uh, well, of course, we will share some of these ideas also in, in, in some days that you also have invited me generously to share in, with one, one Bhagavatam lecture with a group of devotees you are working with. And we will speak about also Raga Bhakti and, and in other direction, but also in connection with that. So, in connection to your question, of course, when you were presenting the, your thoughts, immediately I was thinking about the very same shloka that you started to quote eventually. Siva sadaka rupina siddha rupina chatrahi tadbhava lipsunakarya brajalokanusataraham. So, yeah, I really consider that the notion of non-inherent bhakti, and I appreciate your point, you know, I, to begin with, I, I'm not, we are not trying here to, to fight about philosophical points. I understand what Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, not just fight in the sense of, I'll defeat you and let's see who wins the wrestling and the one who wins will be carried on the shoulders of the loser or something like that. <laughs> Although it will be funny like Krishna do with his gopas, but <laughs> in that context, but it's just conversation and discussion in a, in a healthy, mature, Madhyam-like uh, platform. Um, for me, it has a lot to do also with, although it may seem contradictory, with honoring the legacy of our previous Acharyas, because I know that for some uh, I'm doing exactly the opposite. <laughs> but for me, the, the fact of engaging my uh, discerning faculties into trying to make sense of different statements that were presented there from one same Acharya about this topic or any other topic, uh, it's for me a service to them. No? It's a way of, Krishna says at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, the one who is, studies my conversation with you, Arjun, from up to down, left to right, inside out, etc., is worshipping me through his intelligence. So, for me, that's an important form of seva, to really engage my intellect, because it's part of my body, physical body, subtle body, every aspect of our existence, sadhaka rupena, is to be uh, fully engaged in seva. So, sadhaka rupa means the sadhaka deha that is bestowed on us from Sri Guru, and that speaks about not only this physical body, but the psychic body, all of them in the process of spiritualization by through the entrance of bhakti the very concept of sadaka rupa it speaks about how bhakti is received because we receive the sadaka rupa from sri guru in the moment of diksha so that said in connection to your point i yeah i really think since our lineage although i know some devotees may do not agree with me in this also <laughs> but our lineage is ragamar no it's not by the bhakti because by the bhakti points to vaikuntha so, basically, if you practice by the bhakti, and only by the bhakti, you won't end in, in, in braj, basically. So, Mahaprabhu himself, Krishna Das Kaviraspaswami makes that quite sure. Prema rasa niryasa korite ashvadam, raga marga bhakti loka korite ashvadam. 
Who will disagree with that? Well, some devotees think Rupa Goswami described Bhaiti Bhakti and Raganuga Bhakti in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, so the options are there and, and you can practice Bhaiti Bhakti and, and this idea that naturally, eventually Bhaiti Bhakti will take you to Raganuga Bhakti, sometimes that idea is there or sometimes the idea is we do not need Raganuga Bhakti or they, they kind of connect the idea of Raganuga Bhakti. Some days back I was hearing I won't give names, but some uh, lecture of one guru from Iskand, well, he was given like 20 years back, I don't know what's his position now, but he was speaking about different points regarding this history of Iskand, and he was saying, we do not practice Raganuga Bhakti. Bhakti Siddhanta Prabhupada didn't practice Raganuga Bhakti, he changed the stance. Before him, Raganuga Bhakti was the norm, because he was connected Raganuga Bhakti to all the idea of Ekada Shabbat, Siddha Pranali, Lila Shmarna. So, since there was a shift in the paradigm, if you will, starting from Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta, he considered he established Bhaiti Bhakti. And Prabhupada followed that, and we in Iskand, he mentioned, we followed that. We follow Bhaiti Bhakti, not Raganuga Bhakti. So, I was really like, I don't know how to say. <laughs> sad, terrified, what's the attitude, but I was not uh, happy with that conclusion. I hopefully he had changed his mind the last 20 years. So I'm mentioning these things because of, of course there are so many of these notions with, when, I, when we have addressed your question, so many other questions come <laughs> their way, <laughs> like this one for example, that if you first do not make that clear that our path is Ragamark, we cannot even enter into the details of your question because for many, it's, I don't care for that because we don't care to follow the Brajavasis, we follow Bhaiti Bhakti. That's our path. That's what Prabhupada brings. Four regulative principles and 16 rounds. And magically, at the end of your life, some Vishnu will come and take you to Golok Brindavan, even if you don't have a clue about which affinity you have in that plane. So that doesn't work like that. No? But I heard about the saying like this. I'm so falling that I cannot even impose on Krishna which position do I want. Whatever he wants to send me to, I will accept that. That will be higher than whatever I deserve. And for me, that's some form of false humility with all respect. Mm -hmm. So, going back to the point, Krishna Daskavira said this point, Raga Marga Bhakti Loki Kuriti Ashwadam. Very clearly, say, Mahaprabhu came Prema Rasa Niryasa Kuriti Ashwadam. He came to relish Prema Rasa as his personal agenda, tasting Radhavavan, as an outcome, a consequence, overflowing of his own personal experience, he came to do prachar of Bhakti to the world. And that's what we call Gaudiya Sampradaya, basically. So, and again, when Rupa Goswami defines Raganuga Bhakti, he basically is saying one of the many verses that speak in this case about the, 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 the main limbs, the main angas of Ragas, Runga Sadhana, he says, Braja Lokanusatara, which means you have to follow in the footsteps of the Braja Basis if you want to achieve the goal of Raga Bhakti, which is Braja So basically, that's very clearly presenting. You do not have the whole thing yourself. Raganuga Bhakti, I know, sometimes has been translated as spontaneous. And I, I understand the idea why, but strictly speaking, Raganuga means to follow the rag of the Ragatmikas, basically. Because if you speak about the Bhakti and Vaikuntha, 
he or she will be pretty spontaneous there also. <laughs> now it's not that in Baikunta everyone is like a cyborg and serving Krishna and Krishna and Narayan is coming and all of them are afraid and run to have some meters of distance and if you read the description of Sanatana Goswami Brihad Bhagavatamrita Vaikuntha, that's pretty spontaneous, pretty beautiful actually, in that sense. So there's a spontaneity in, in Bhaiti Bhakti, and there's also non-spontaneity in, in the early stages of Raga Bhakti. We may be Raga Sadaka, Raga Nuga Sadakas, but in the stage of what Jiva Goswami calls Ajata Ruchi Raga Nuga Sadhana Bhakti which means we are practicing Raga Nuga Bhakti because from day one, the established goal is Vrindavan. And the only way, way of going to Vrindavan is by following their footsteps. The famous example of, of Lakshmi Devi is there. She trying to enter into Braj without embracing Raga Nuga Sadhana and she's still in Belbam engaging in Tapasya, basically. So there is a very specific process and means... And there are many verses, I don't want to overwhelm you with quotes here, but many verses from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu just to speak about this particular book that really delineates our sadhana as Raganuga Sadakas that speak how whether Raganuga Bhakti, Bhava, Prem, the experience of Rasa, Sita Deha, <laughs> all of this is conferred upon us, is received, is um, acquired according to the Bhakti scars we receive from the association we are having. So it's not hardwired, hardwired, if you will, in our own self. So the point is, again, it's the necessity of receiving those bhakti scars from a particular sadhu who is vibrating in Brajabhav if you want to really enter into the Ragamarg. It's not that you already have Gopabhav, Gopibhav, and you just, just chant your 16 rounds and at one day, you know, all your Gopabesh will come to the surface and all your cowherd sensibilities will manifest. No, it's not like that. And so, yeah, I will say that one of the main points regarding your question, practical implications of, of what's the use, if you will, of, of establishing this idea of bhakti being inherent or not, in, the case, in my case, not inherent, <laughs> is to really make the point of how much we need uh, sadhu sangha in order to reach the goal of our tradition, basically. I mean, our Sampradaya presents a particular goal, and that particular goal, there's a sadhya, and there's a corresponding sadhana to attain that sadhya. In the famous uh, dialogue between Mahaprabhu and, and, and Sri Chaitanya and, Ramana, and, and Ramananda Roy, the Ramananda Sambhad, at one point, there's a famous verse where he mentions how Siddhadeha is received according to the affinity we culture in Sadhu Sangha. Very clearly, the term is there. So, and, and that dialogue is speaking about the sadhya and the sadhana. What's our ultimate goal and what's the sadhana to attain that goal? And, and you know, there are many other goals apart from Krishna and Vrindavan. And there are so many sadhanas even to attain Brahman, to attain Brahma Sayuja. You have Jnana. So the point is, and, and I always make this point, if there is the possibility of attaining Brahma Sayuja, and Brahma Sayuja is a permanent liberated condition, which is another point that many devotees may do not agree with, <laughs> but that's in Shastra. So, if Bhakti is inherent, if I have inherent Gopi Bhav, how do I explain that I reach Brahma Sayuja and remain there forever with some form of latent Gopi Bhav, which somehow became diluted in, in, in the effulgence of whatever, in Brahma Yoti or something. <laughs> so, many, many problems come if we 
consider this idea, no? There is one comment here on Namrasa. Also, I've heard it preached that if you worship Lord Chaitanya, then automatically your destination will be Vrindavan. Well, yes and no. It's the famous notion of Pradvodananda Saraswati path. No? The more you got, you go deep into the worship of Mahaprabhu, the more you immerse there, the more you emerge into the service of Radha and Vrindavan. In other words, yes, the entrance to, Gaur, to Krishna Lila for us is through Gaur Lila. But it's not also like automatic, basically. It's not that... The point is basically, okay, yes, if you worship Lord Chaitanya, but what does it mean to worship Lord Chaitanya? It's not just, I do my daily puja, I distribute books, and I chant my rounds, and I immediately, I'm assigned to our particular... Uh, section in the branch. No, to worship Mahaprabhu is to embrace the sadhana him, him exemplified and his associates, especially the Goswamis, following the conclusions of the Goswami Granta. That means to worship Mahaprabhu. We don't want to worship Mahaprabhu independently of the Goswamis, for example. It's very clear that Mahaprabhu instructed and empowered the Goswamis to, to, to be the architects of his Gaudiya Sampradaya. As my Guru Maharaj will say, to make a lake out of the waterfall of his ecstasy, which is difficult to approach. You know, Mahaprabhu's ecstasy is like a waterfall, but the Goswami, through their books, made a soft institutionalization of Mahaprabhu's ecstasy, so we can approach and bathe there. So in their books, we find this sadhana in connection to, <clears throat> to attain Brajava. So it's not just chanting Harinam, doing some Arctic, and I immediately a gopi or a gopa, but it's Engaging in sadhana under the guidance of Sri Guru, for sure, it all begins there, Adho Guru Padasraya. And then you start to receive certain bhakti scars. And through those bhakti scars, eventually you will find yourself, eventually, at whatever point, having some affinity for Braj in this lifetime or, or whenever it has to happen. But that, that's how, how it works, basically. You, know? you will start receiving bhakti scars from sadhus, and the sadhus that most influence your life are the sadhus who will basically determine which will be your, your own affinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, that will be the idea mm-hmm. and the implications. In it. Of course, we could say so much more, but I don't know what you think about that, Jai Jagannath Namras, if you want to add something. I mean, that's definitely my conception, 100%. I, I, I have a follow-up in terms of Ajato Ruchi. Hmm. This term Ruchi, I guess this is used by Jiva Goswami and Pakti Sandarbo. Yeah. But that term Ruchi, that basically refers to Moga, right? That's that's kind of been my understanding. Yeah, maybe I need to know. And, okay, you join Hare Krishna movement and you're an Ajato Ruchi walking to the Sadhaka. Does that mean you're ready for, you know, Save us and the Kurupenas and the Chaktihi. Because it seems that without genuine loba, and that my question is about what it means to have genuine loba first. That's my question. What does it really mean to have genuine loba? Because Rupa Goswami gives like two statements and they're not like super duper clear. And Jiva Goswami's comment about loba also doesn't make it, because you know, Rupa Goswami says, when your intelligence doesn't depend on the injunctions of scripture, 
And then I think Jiva Goswami says in his commentary, maybe which, which one of them, that the Takuras, they say that, well, this is not always the indication because someone who has genuine Loba may also be seen to be like very strongly adhering to Shastra edicts. So that was like, okay, so that makes it not clear what this genuine Loba is. Hmm. So what is genuine Loba? That's my question. And if you're in a Jata Ruchi Sadhaka, like, does this word Ruchi here mean Loba? Like, if you're a Jata Ruchi rather than a Sadhaka, are you then read, ready for Savas of the Karupena? Because it seems like to really be able to apply that, you have to have genuine Loba. And what is so then what does it mean to have genuine Loba so that that could actually be applicable? That's my follow up question in this conversation. Hmm. Yeah, I personally wouldn't conceive the notion of love in black and white terms, you know, like, or you have it or you don't have it. Because sometimes these notions may come, like, okay, you have love, you are qualified, you don't have love, you are not qualified. But there are degrees of that, and there are degrees of that. For example, of course, we hear love, and generally love is translated as greed or lowlium, and greed implies something quite consuming, if you will. If you, Many acharyas gave the material example of greed, and Vishwanachakovartitaku really deals with it nicely in his Raghavartma Chandrika, and he gives this classical example of the person who wants to taste a rasagula, and he hears, okay, for, but he doesn't have money or anything, so he hears the process to attain the rasagula, and he really wants the rasagula. <laughs> So he hears, okay, you have to do that with milk, but to get milk you have to have a cow first. So we, and you have so many things with the cow. So we, he will go get the cow, milk the cow, feed the cow, pick the cow down, and all the things you have to do with the cow. <laughs> and then work with the milk to the point of eventually having the rasagula, which is so many things you have to do in between to get to the final product, if you will. So the, the parallel is he's following all the rules and regulations, but the main motive, motivation inside is greed to taste the rasagul. So externally he seems to be following all the rules, but the main motive is not just following the rules, because that's a level of practice also. I'm following the rules, I'm doing this okay, I'm, do, I'm not failing in the principles, I've chant my 16 <laughs> We are more attached to the, yeah, to the loyalty of external embracing of the process, but in this case it's not. I, I have this objective, and whatever it takes to get there, I will do it, even though externally it seems something else. So that's, that's a good idea of reading connection to, to following the, the rules to attain that goal. So that's a very, I see, really connected to someone who is an Ajata, Ruchi, Raga, Nuga, Sadhana, Sadaka, on some level, you know, someone who... Because of course, if someone gets to the temple day one, yeah, in a very generous spirit, we will say he, she is a Ajata, Ruchi, Raga, Nugasalaka, even though that person has no clue yet about the goal and the process, <laughs> but has connected with a particular current of, of sadhus who vibrate, if you will, in the Brindavan, Nityanavadip atmosphere. So in that sense, that person is under that umbrella and eventually will be carried by that, that current. So in that sense, that person is already, in a generous way, Ajata Ruchiraganuga Sadaka. Of course, in time, that person will be informed about the philosophy, the Siddhanta, the Satya, the Sadhana, 
and, 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 and will start to make more conscious choices about, yeah, I want this. And, and, and eventually we'll ask what to do, how to reach there. And of course, there will come so many things to do, basically. As you say, Siva Sadaka Rupena, I mean, with our Sadaka Rupa, we have to really engage in Seva, in Sadhana. But again, the Sadhana is not to be engaged in from a mechanistic platform, because that runs the risk of Niyama Graha, basically. So ideally, some, some greed has to be there. And, the, and, and generally, that greed is the one that, on some level, we are receiving from the association we are in. The more we remain in a certain association with the devotees, we have real greed, naturally, that will become epidemic in, in us on some level. Some drops will sprinkle us, and that will be an, our initial greed, if you will, a little bit more than day one. Still, in a generous way, we are calling them Ajata Ruchi. Hmm. So I will say that when Jiva Goswami says, without Ruchi, uh, there is lots, I mean, he, he doesn't specify which, to which stage of bhakti that he referred to in, in the context of the nine stages, for example, that Rupa Goswami mentions, but it makes quite sense to connect that idea of Ruchi with the stage of Ruchi, per se, that comes after Nishta. Hmm? Because Ruchi means Ruchi, you are dri driven by taste. No? You may follow the rules, or you may not, because who knows where taste is taking you. <laughs> I mean, it's not that we don't have taste now, but taste with every single letter and capital letters, Ruchi, that will come after Nishta. So, so for me that makes sense, no? that to be a Jata Ruchi, not Ajata, but Jata Ruchi, Raga Nuga Sadaka, which born, if you will, Ruchis, when you have reached the stage of Nishta, which, uh, Ruchi, sorry, which implies going through Nishta first. With, and going through Nishta, as you know, means dealing with so many complexities that you have to harmonize and integrate and synthesize, if you will, and, and, har and com the harmonizing head and heart and, and becoming, as we will speak in our talk, also like uh, sustainable sadakas in our human side as well, because we are not to be devotional superheroes, but devotional human beings first. <laughs> No, not to be great devotees, but good devotees. And, and Raganuga Sadhana, and this is an important point, and we'll speak that in some days, is a lot about the Krishna Vrindavan, and Krishna Vrindavan means Nara Lila. So Nara Lila means human-like pastimes. There is a human component there for eternity. So if, we, if in the name of following Raganuga Bhakti, we are stopping our humanity in the name of transcendence, I mean, you won't get to the Nara Lila, you will go get somewhere else, who knows where. <laughs> so, dealing with all these complexities for me has to do with Nishta. And by successfully doing that, Ruchi will, will come. So, so, I will connect basically that. There's different levels of Lolyam. Again, in a very generous way, from day one, there is some Lolyam, some Loba, by remaining in the orbit of the one who possessed that Loba Mai Shraddha, in the words of Bhakti Nathakur. In the beginning, our Shraddha won't be Lovamai Shraddha, will be for sure Lokiki Shraddha, more mundane type-like. But if we remain in that orbit, gradually the influence will come and, and we will pass to Lova level 2, if you will. Shraddha, Sadhu Sangha, Bhajana Kriya, Anartha Nebriti. I will say in the context of Raga Bhakti, all these nine stages speak of different degrees of 
of loba, if you will. Then nishta. There is some, and then ruchi that we will say, okay, that's loba proper, if you will. Jata ruchi raganuga sadhana, and of course from ruchi onwards, it's just more and more upgraded versions of that. So. Some thoughts. I don't know if that helps. So, is it appropriate for a person? It, from what I'm hearing, I'm just reflecting. Only when you attain loba proper, which is jataruchi, then you are really qualified for the sevas of the karupena application. And before that, there's work to do to gain that loba proper, so that you could be able to apply Raghunuga Sadhana properly. Is that what I'm hearing? That's what, yeah, that's my question. I don't, well, one thing is Siva Sadhaka Rupena, and that thing is Siddha Rupena. I don't know if you were referring mostly to Siddha Rupena in your question. Because we have the Siva Sadhaka Rupa and the Yeah, well, Siddha we're supposed Rupa. to do Seva in both forms. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But as we, as we know, and of course there is again a nuanced perspective here, we coming from the lineage of Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, there is a particular stance we, we take towards this idea, while in some other lineages they will, I will say, equally emphasize Sevas, Sadaka Rupa and Siddha Rupa from day one, basically. And, and of course, that took to quite a lot of problems in the time of Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, not only in the time of Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta. Uh, of course, I personally am not against. The, the, the practice of Ekada, Shabbat, and Siddha Pranali in the sense that there is some, that's, there is a place for that, that's my point. It's not that I'm, of course, promoting that in a cheap way, but Bhakti Nottakur himself received that, and there is reference from that, as you know, the story, Jnana Chandra Goswami, and so on. But the point is, that is not to be given to anyone and everyone. There should be a certain level of, um, of, of qualification, adhikar, to know what to, de- what to do with, how to deal with that information, basically. Mm-hmm. So, I will say that first comes the, and that's why also Rupa Goswami says, Seva Sadaka Rupena, he's not saying, Seva Siddha Rupena, Sadaka Rupena, Chatrahe. No, he's first mentioned first, Sadaka Rupa, and Siddha Rupa. Of course, sometimes, somebody will say, simultaneously, the two of them from day one, that's not so much our take. Our take, my Guru Maharaj will say, now, if you get initiated and someone asks you, so did you receive a Siddha Rupa? And, and you will say, no, I received a Sadaka Rupa. Is that, is that too less, too little, basically? <laughs> no? is, is that enough of a gift or not? Of course, if, uh, the more you embrace your Sadaka Deha, the duty of your Sadaka Deha, the more your Siddha Deha will come naturally. That's basically the, if you will, the politic of Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta and many of our chairs, and that's in Shastra as well. Hmm? The more you Pujalaragapata Gaura Babange, says Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta. No? We are to approach the Ragamark with reverence. No? Interestingly, he says this. It's not that the Ragamark is about reverence, but we should have reverence for the path in itself in order to have a proper approximation to that. And that's in the context of being a sadaka. And sadaka sadaka deha, using our sadaka rupa means using all our senses for the satisfaction of Hrishikesh. Hrishikena, Hrishikesh, Sivanam, Bhakti Ruchate. For the law of the senses. No? Inclu- in pouring, my Guru Maharaj will say, pouring Bhakti scars in each one of the pores of our Sadaka Deha. And the more we do that, naturally the Siddha Deha will come. It's not that we need 
that someone reveals that at a certain point. The more we do that, the more that will come as an outcome. That's really a safe way of dealing with that. So I will say that we engage our sadhakadeha from day one. We don't need to reach Ruchi or something, because if we wait for Ruchi to, be going, to begin with, we, won't, we never get to Ruchi if we do not engage our sadhakadeha from day one. <laughs> I mean, from day one we have to do something with our sadhakadeha. And the more we successfully absorb our sadhakadeha, which implies our senses and eventually our mind, Siddha Rupa has a lot to do with internal meditational identity. So for that we have to, to capture our, our mind, to spiritualize our psychic body. And that's a lot, first of all, capturing the senses, engaging them in, in, in bhakti sadhana. So that's basically the idea of our particular tradition, of trying to engage our sadhaka deha from day one, which is a process also. No? Chaitanya Charitamrita says, Diksha Kale Bhakta Kare Atma Samarpana, interestingly. says, when the moment of Diksha is there, when you make of yourself a complete offering to Bhagavan, of yourself a complete offering, so the question is, wait a minute. No? Diksha means when I, Atma Sama Arpana, when I make of all myself a complete offering, and I say, I, that didn't come yet, that didn't happen yet. But I received Diksha some years back already. <laughs> so then you understand, Diksha is a process. No? It's not something that you receive the, the job in one day and now you are a Diksha man or lady. No? You are in the process of embracing this, this notion, what you are receiving in Diksha, the, the, the taking advantage of the Sadaka Deha. So the more we take advantage of the Sadaka Deha, Siddha Deha will come naturally. Because Siddha Deha has to do with a particular type of affinity we develop in time towards uh, bring down in this case, although the internal identity Nitya Navadu is also a form of Siddha Deha, although generally that's called a Sadaka Deha, a spiritualized Sadaka Deha, but it's a Siddha Deha in its own right. But the point is the Siddha Deha, our ultimate identity in Brindavan, that will come as much as we absorb ourselves in, in, in Sadhana and, and, and receive Bhakti Samskar from Sadhu Sangha and in time develop some affinity in some particular direction, and nourish that affinity with the guidance of Sri Guru, and engage in more and more meditational absorption. I mean, the, this, the very Nam, as you know, Nam brings forth Rupa, Guna, and Lila. Interestingly, Jiva Goswami, this is a good point, he makes in Bhakti Sandarbha also, he gives, he emphasizes this word that Rupa Goswami also emphasizes in his Upadeshambrita, Krama, or Kramena, which means Sequence, sequence, like step by step. So he speaks about Nam, Rupa, Guna, Lila, and also he speaks about Shravan, Kirtan, Smaran. So he says first is Nam, Shravan, then Nam, Kirtan, then Nam, Smaran. Then comes uh, Rupa, Shravan, Rupa, Kirtan, Rupa, Smaran. Then comes Guna, Shravan, Guna, Kirtan, Guna, Smaran. Then comes Lila, Shravan, Lila, Kirtan, and finally Lila, Smaran. <laughs> So interestingly, in some groups, Lila Smaram is given from day one, no? without following all this sequence that Jiva Goswami himself is recommending. And it all starts by Nam. And, and as we know, from Nams comes everything. I once remember Sri Haridas Shastri, who was someone who really emphasized this idea of everything will come out of Nam, although unfortunately recently someone in, in the name of proclaiming whatever, that Bhakti is 
<laughs> they were saying, now Haridashat to say something different, but he's a Sahaja. Hmm? I, I mean, if you really know Haridashastri, there's no one less Sahaja than him. I mean, he was not of a speaking about high esoteric topics. He didn't receive nor gave uh, Siddha Pranali. <laughs> and he was of this idea, from Nam, everything will come. And, and he said once, interestingly, if you uh, emphasize that there is a necessity of receiving Siddha Deha, Ekadashabab, and, and without that you cannot make it, that's an Nama Parat. Because basically you are saying, you are saying you need something else apart from Srinam. You are not having full faith that from Srinam everything will come. So in the name of promoting and giving the highest thing, you may be offending Srinam. And of course, if you offend Srinam, you know what happens after that. <laughs> so some, some thoughts in that connection. So I will say, I will emphasize the proper engagement in, in, in one's Sarakadeha. Because sometimes the boats are maybe may too quick to jump into the Siddha Deha reality without really knowing how to deal and engage with with all that having a Sadaka Deha implies and again we will speak about in some days because Sadaka Deha implies I'm human, I have psychology, I have emotionality, I have so many things as part of my mind-body complex so how do I integrate all that in this Sadaka project? No? How do I deal with that in such a way that that takes me to my Siddha Deha because if I deal properly with my human sensibilities now, that will create proper human sensibilities in my Siddha Deha, because Siddha Deha has to have human sensibilities. If not, you won't enter the Nara Lila. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's serious stuff, if you will. No? <clears throat> Anyhow, some thoughts. I hope that, that may help. If you have any, anyone, Hazar, Yuja, Jagannath, whoever, any follow-up, of course, always welcome. Or any other question, whatever. We have I just have one final thing. Sorry to hijack. Just, but everyone else seems kind of quiet, so I'm not that sorry. Um, this Ekadah Shabab thing. Yeah. It's not given by the Goswamis. And I know it, it developed later. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it developed immediately or like a century later. But it became known as like the traditional... Gaudiya Vaishnava position for a while until I think Srila Bhakti Miltak, or well specifically Srila Bhakti Siddhanta but it's not like mentioned in our like the Granta literatures of the Goswamis at all so is that something that we even not, I don't want to let me phrase this carefully is that how serious do we need to take mm, that mm. in the process of our own development mm. like I know I've heard from some persons that I consider like authorities in my own personal life give a little emphasis to the kind of unfolding of the Ekadashabhav of course from chanting Harinam all of this is I guess supposed to come but yeah I was kind of curious on your view on the importance of that hmm. and the development of our bhakti maybe this is only relevant when we're actually like got real low book, but anyway, I'm asking now. Hmm. Yeah, I remember we spoke quite a while about that some years back when we we make a series of lectures on, on Raghavarma Chandrika. I think we, we we spent like, I don't know, <laughs> like six or seven lectures only speaking about this, basically. But I will say, regarding the historicity of, of, of the giving of 
Ekadashabhava and so on, at least according to Bhakti Nathakur, he in his Jaiva Dharma, he kind of traces it. He, he speaks about two, Antar Panta and Bahir Panta, like the internal process and the external one. So he says the internal one is the one that by only chanting Harinam, everything will come. And this was mainly entrusted by Mahaprabhu to uh, Raghunadath Goswami. And the external pantha means that something is given from outside, if you will, to you in the context of uh, Ekadashabhav, which for the ones who are not familiar with the term, refer to 11, uh, if you will, existential uh, ingredients that have to do with one's eternal identity in the Lila. Uh, of course, now I will deal with another point in that connection because some will say at that moment when the Guru is giving that is a revelation that the Guru is having and that's you, 108%. While we will see at least Bhaktivinoda Thakur's take on that is not so much like, so not so absolute in that sense. But he will say, he will reveal something according to your affinity and in time we may fix some details. <laughs> But the point is that Bhaktivinoda Thakur said that the historicity of this Ekadashabhav comes, was given, he says, was given, he's not giving some historic proof, but he's saying that, uh, and of course I have faith in that, and he says that was given by Mahaprabhu to Bakreshwar Pandit. And from Bakreshwar, Bakre, Bakreshwar Pandit, sorry, he was given to Gopal, Guru Goswami, and from there to Dhyana Chandra Goswami, who we know, they wrote this Gurgovindarchana Padati and this like, and man manuals to meditate and lilas and so on. So, yeah, I agree with your point that at the time of the Goswami, this was not, at least overtly, an official practice, although the ones who follow it will claim, yes, they were, they were doing that, they were giving that, and everyone was in that or something. But we don't have any, like, really overt uh, evidence about that. We have some things like this, you know, Sida, Seva Sada Karupina, Sida Rupina Chatrahe. So they will say, okay, which are the implications of that? And I'm not criticizing them. I'm not saying they are making too much out of that, those two little worlds. Because they could say the same from us in some other sections. <laughs> so there, and there is place for, how to say, for expanding on what the Goswami have shared. For example, I'm, after, after I, I finish my present project, book project of whether Bhakti is current or not, I don't know what that will happen, if that will happen at all, but <laughs> I'm, I have the plan and I've already started to write the book mostly on the idea of Nityanavadu, on the possibility of eternal spiritual existence with Mahaprabhu in this second parallel uh, spiritual body, which is not something again that the Goswami spoke about, interestingly. So <laughs> we could make the case for this as well. But at the same time, they say, say certain things that put together and using some proper tarka or logic in the context of what they reveal, it naturally makes sense for that. It's not contradicting what they say. So it, it can be a natural development of what they say. There is place for development of Siddhanta. It's not a problem. Uh -uh. But always if it's not contradicting the original Siddhanta, that's the point. Because this Goswami said, I don't know, Bhakti is not inherent, <laughs> and I say, no, it is inherent, that's not the development of the Siddhanta. It goes against the conclusion of it. They say, nobody falls from Vaikuntha, and I say, I fell, one falls, it's not a development, but there's play for a development. So, regarding 
Bhaktivinoda Thakur also says this point again, interestingly, he says if the disciple receives Ekadasha Bhav from his guru, because the process is okay, the disciple is finding some particular affinities surfacing in one direction. So he will go to the guru, she will go to the guru and mention that. So the guru will reveal, re- reveal or share some details in the context of Ekadasha Bhav. And if in time the devotee is not fully comfortable with all those 11 details, if you will, maybe with some of them, he will go back to his guru, her guru, and present that situation, and the guru will, will adjust those details, so finally, the model will fit the person. You know? And the person will meditate on that, will kind of vicariously like, identify with that, and eventually that will become his real self. But in the very beginning, that this information is handed down, if you will, at least for us, that's not necessarily our ultimate us, our ultimate version. It's form of a placebo kind of uh, idea that is being given. You know? Like something we can work on, but it may require some adjustments in between. So, <clears throat> and regarding what to do ourselves, what's the role of all this in our particular pra- uh, tradition, again, as I mentioned, this is not generally emphasized. Also, that shouldn't be demonized, because I've seen that, unfortunately. But we have heard that in some cases, this is not fully confirmed, but even in the case of Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, they say that maybe he gave that to some. So, I mean, there is a place for that. It's not that it's something totally uh, unbonafide, if you will. It may not be the, the rule in our tradition, but there is place for that. But I will say that there is something in between that. No? There is, again, I don't like the blacks and whites, as you may start to realize. <laughs> so it's not so much like only you chant Harinam and everything will come out of that, or you go to your guru and receive the 11 ingredients of who you will be, period. No, I could say also, you are chanting Harinam without receiving Ekadashabab, and in time you you evolve. I mean, Srinam starts to really bestow so much grace that you, st- and by the particular Sangha you are in, all these ingredients put together, you start to feel some particular affinity. Let's begin with some affinity in general. Of course, the affinity in general may be to begin with to Brindavan, because in the beginning, maybe in day one, we, we are pointed, Brindavan is our goal, but maybe we may have still affinity towards Ayodhya, Vaikuntha, Jesus Christ, who knows what, <laughs> and so many affinities out of the Parabion. <laughs> no, that's a good point also. Once someone asked Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, what, it, how do I know if I have loba? Going back to the loba idea. And he said, well, you know that you have loba as much as you don't stop having loba for every, everything else. No? So, so and, and we know in, the, in day one, uh, we still have quite considerable love in other directions. So my point is, gradually we may feel, oh, I'm started to have some, 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 by grace, by mercy, some affinity towards the ideal of Vrindavan. I feel charmed and attracted to the notion of the Naralila, Gyan Sunya Bhakti, how the Brajavasis deal with Krishna, how he deals with the, but still in a generic model, not some particular department. And you share that with your Guru Maharaj, and he may share, she may share, oh, great, nice. You can study this book, for example, and, and nourish that further. For me, that's a, a type of 
Ekadash Shabbat, if you will. He's not giving officially, your name is this, your dress is that, but it's a form of nourishing the affinity. And eventually you read that particular book and say, Guru Maharaj, and in time receiving some further, some scars, I think I'm having this affinity, and of course Guru may put that to test, but eventually he may conclude, yeah, you have some real affinity for that, for, I don't know, the... Manjari Bab department, Priyanarma Sakya department, whatever may be the case, those are the main two currents in our Gaudiya Sampradaya. And he may say, okay, now let's further augment that. I recommend you may recite daily this particular verses, this section. You study this book, whatever. You hear this lecture from mine, from mine or from other side. So it becomes more, less generic, and more specific, and more specific. Still, he's not telling you, this is your name, this is your dress, sorry, color, or whatever. <laughs> but it's, it's getting more and more specific. So for me, this is a natural way of going through. The result of chanting Srinam to getting closer to who I will be eventually. And maybe it never happens that the Guru will tell you, this is your name, this is your dress. Which also, for that matter, the, the system of Kadashabha journalists uh, practice in the context of Manjaribhav only which also is kind of limiting because we know that's not the only, although it's the main current in the Sampradaya, that's not the only one. So what, what happens with the one who has another, have another affinity? <laughs> of course, that's another topic because some devotees will sometimes say, that's a deviation, everyone should follow Manchuri Bhava, and as I like to say, that's uh, racism. Mm-hmm. Not racism, but racism. To be racist in the context of rasa. <laughs> so... So I think in that way, you know, and in time you may get more advanced and, you're good, and you may have certain revelations, inner insights, and you share that with the sadhus and they further confirm that, augment that, and by their grace you get closer to all that you can be in the Lila. And at some point you will have this insight of who you are in the Lila. And maybe without the necessity again of a about from day one or from day 108 or something, no? And Namrasa say, I assume this doesn't take just one lifetime. No, not, it doesn't take a little bit more. Of course, we don't know if this is our first lifetime. No? So nobody can tell this is the first one. But sometimes we can feel, I think I'm, I have already practiced, not because I feel myself best, better than others, just by mercy. But also we can feel, although I can be practicing from previous lifetime, I feel also this may be not the last one. <laughs> But we don't care. I mean, we are not in a rush to, to leave the material world or something like this. I understand that in the beginning some devotees will have this samskar from lip samsar. But if you really are practicing, you won't care about when to leave this world. Someone asked my guru at that point. They asked him, when will I leave this world? He said, when you stop asking that question. <laughs> when you stop caring about getting out of this world, means you are already out of this world. When you are so much immersed in your bhajan, that liberation is... I mean, in Ruchi Mahaprabhu says that, basically. I don't care for kavi, for poetry, for refined knowledge, which eventually means that which points to mukti. I care for even coming here life after lifetime in the context of Haituki Bhakti. But yeah, Rupa Goswami says in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, for tasting Bhakti Rasa, you have to have first bhakti scar from previous lifetimes. And that's another proof that bhakti is not inherent. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but again, we are, we are not in, 
in a rush and, 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 and it, if you, I remember I always share this it's funny but it's nice someone once asked Sila Siddhar Maharaj uh, how many lifetimes do I have to reach my ultimate goal so he said well if you take the process seriously and he thought this is like three lifetimes and the devotee was shocked no like three lifetimes like implying this is a lot and Sri Lassi Maharaj heard him and he was shocked like it's, it is, is that too much he said no? you are coming from uncountable lifetimes and just in three lifetimes you can get this highest ultimate possible gift if you really appreciate the nature of the gift I mean three lifetimes you will be embarrassed for paying so little basically that, that's the the real conclusion is the famous story, I won't tell it again, it's too long, but of when, when who is? Mukunda is chastised with Mahaprabhu, you cannot see me, you cannot see me. <laughs> um, Mahaprabhu say, you will see me in one million lifetimes. He starts to celebrate. Um, and they say, why you are celebrating one million lifetimes? They say, because I know that I will have, I will have his darshan again. So what, what's one million lifetimes if, if I will have his darshan? It's nothing. It's nothing. The, to pay that price is a joke. And of course, Mahaprabhu heard that and said, bring him immediately. The, the million lifetimes have already passed. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, no problem. I mean, we don't, we are not in a rush. No, we are, three sounds better, yeah. <laughs> For sure, that's a, a nice number. So, yeah, the point is we are focusing in, in our bhajan and at one point. I mean, the point is, reaching the spiritual world it's not so much like I'm here, I'm here, I'm here I'm someday a Bhimana comes an airship and now it's taking me to some other geographical location and now I'm in the spiritual world now it's a, it's a movement of, con of consciousness no? mana more Vrindavan our mind has to become Vrindavan so whenever that happens we are there so it's not something that I have to wait to to go somewhere else. I mean, the going somewhere else is something that will happen internally, so better we are doing those things that will take us somewhere else <laughs> and not just, again, doing something expecting magically, hopefully at the end of my life I will be taken there. That won't happen necessarily at the end of your life. Which, I mean, if it's not happening before the end of your life, it won't happen after the end of your life either. So, that starts now. <laughs> No? So again, and it may take some lifetime to get closer to that, but no problem. And the journey is is, is glorious, no? as, as my friend Tamal Krishna said. This is a victory march. No? So we are engaged in a victory march, back home, if you will. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if there is any other question to finish. One more last question to to to, to end. Yes, I know that you know Tamal. I've heard you asking questions in his Friday lectures. I'm not there because of the timing in India, but I'm, I'm following them as well, for sure. We are quite close friends. <clears throat> Some other question? the European continent. Any question from Greg, Shamananda, Udav, Sal Grahi? I can ask a question. 
I mean, if you want, it's not forced. I, <laughs> I recently hear like a you know, like kind of like debate that were doing Satya Narayan Babaji uh, about the nature of love. Hmm. That one that he so, had with Jagadananda. Yes. That was some years ago already. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. So my, my question will be, you know, if, if they, the polar opposites, you know, of lust and love kind of exist together, and if you have love, true love, then you cannot have any kind of lust. So how you will explain the position of the sadhaka? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that... that between, yeah. I think Jai Jagannath was at that lecture, right, Jai Jagannath, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I remember seeing the video, I think you make a question or something. I don't know if you were there oh, with... Oh, this is the one with, um, oh yeah, Jagadananda and Satyananda. Yeah, I think you were there with yeah, Kula Pradeep, I, I was with there, Pradeep, yeah, I, was there. I think. Yeah, I was there for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, of course, you may remember that there were some different stands there between the two. One was mostly saying there's no love at all, and the other one's possible, and so on. But well, your question has more to do with the, the situation of the sadhaka. So that's the sadhaka who is kind of in between, because the sadhaka is not a bada jiva entirely, and the sadhaka is not a siddha <laughs> entirely. <laughs> It's in the process of becoming a Siddha and in the process of stopping being a Bada Jiva. But it's kind of in between. And Vishwanath Thakur nicely explains in one Tika in the Bhagavatam that the more one embraces Sadhana, the more one becomes a Sadhaka, the more one's uh, Sadhaka Deha is spiritualized. So again, he's speaking in terms of proportions, not like you are this or you are that, black or white, but it's coming in degrees. So in, in, in the sadhaka, of course, uh, speaking about sadhaka, also there are so many levels of being a sadhaka. Basically, till you reach bhava bhakti, you are a sadhaka because you are engaging in sadhana. Sadhana bhakti reaches up to asakti. Of course, that's an advanced stage of sadhana. And then you reach bhava, so then you stop being a sadhaka and you become a bhavuka. And then you reach prem and you stop being a bhavuka and you become a premika, if you will, technical terms. So sadhaka, again, I mention this point because sometimes we understand sadhaka as one single type of, of, of person. But there are so many degrees. Well, you, can, you are sadhaka from day one, as we spoke, even if you are not aware that you are sadhaka yet, which are all the nuance implications of that. But you still are sadhaka even in asakti, where you are just close to bhava bhakti. So there are so many degrees of that. So again, I'm, not, I'm starting to to present this nuanced possibility. So, the point is, if you speak about love, so what's love, basically, you know? What's love for us? Because, again, we, we may be carrying some DNA, if you will, where for us love means something, but there is a... As Gaudiya Vaishnav, we want to define our... redefine, I will say, <laughs> our glossary according to what Shastra says. Not to... I don't want to sound too like too strict, if you will, but we want to base, to sustain our movements and thoughts on revelation. So for us, love is parallel with Prem, basically. So, of course, if that's so, we don't have Prem. I must humbly disagree with, 
with Sundar Gopal and other devotees who may say that Prem is inherent, because Shastra is saying exactly the opposite. The very definition of Prem in Shastra is Prem is a condensation of Bhava. Bhava. Because, again, I don't want to go to Sundar Gopal's exposition, but he mentions quoting Jamatri Muni, that they, he said, I have not studied Jamatri Muni in detail, but I look forward to that, that he said that Preet is inherent and Jiva Swami took the idea, so therefore Preet is inherent. With Preet is another way of saying Prem. So Prem is inherent. But the point, if you go, and what to speak of Preet is Andarva, Jiva Swami there has mentioned Preet is not inherent, but let's go to the very definition of the term. Priti or Prem is Rupa Goswami, official definition is Prem is a condensation of power. And you go to the definition of Bhava, and Rupa Goswami says, Bhava is Sudur Lava. Sudur Lava means very difficult to attain. So if something is very difficult to attain, how can be inherent, basically? Bhava is difficult to attain. What to speak of Priti or Prem? That's more difficult to attain. <laughs> so that's less inherent, if you will. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so going to your point, as a sadhakas, we don't have Prem. Hmm? We, 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 we may have whatever we have. We have bhakti in some particular stage. Sometimes devotees have expressed themselves. If we have atomic prem in the sense that you receive <clears throat> mantra from Sri Guru who has prem, hopefully. Maybe the case, maybe not. But has the prospect of prem again. Uh, so in that sense, you receive the seed if you want to speak with some graphic analogy because it's not a, a literal seed that you are swallowing. But you receive Prem in a seed-like form, Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai Bhakti Lata Beach. So in that sense, we may say you have Prem. The, the doors to Prem have been opened to you by connection with the lineage where Prem is flow, flowing. In that sense, we can say in a generous way, as I was always say, Mahaprabhu is judging us according to our future, not our past, not our present, but to our future, our potential. So in that sense, we may say we have Prem. The prospect is there, the connection to eventually attain that in potential is there, but it's not that necessarily is there, inherent or, or whatever. I'm there already. So, <clears throat> so, no, there is no Prem, basically. There is no love. Of course, it doesn't mean that, that necessarily that there is nothing good about us. Again, Prem Bhakti is a very high, high reality. So, we can have good qualities as the sadhaka has for sure, and affection and so many other things, but that's not parallel with prem. That's again the complication with the terms, because for us love, we have a very ingrained notion of love, and we are accustomed even to say, I love you, I love you, but again, we, we want to make of those expressions the, high, the, the highest possible version of them, so we do not take such a term as love and use it in the cheapest possible way. Because that will affect possibly the attainment of our ultimate goal. For example, I think this is in Prem Samput. Sri Radha says to Krishna, if someone says, I love you, that person doesn't understand anything about love. Because I love you, still this idea of I and you is present. When in real love, there is totally total self-forgetfulness in divine love. So again, Prem, divine love is a high thing. For us, love is divine love. That's the point. Now, sometimes we may speak about love in this world, but generally that love is mixed, mixed with attachment. Atmendriya priti vamcha taribalikam Krishnendriya priti cha dhari priyamanam. So, 
Sometimes Krishna Das Kaviraj describes that. He speaks about love and lust. Lust, I will say desire, because that is not necessarily limited to a sexual, sensual affair, but separate interest. So to be honest, generally two people get together in this world and they may say, I love you and I love you. And I'm not saying that they really had bad intention and want to exploit each other. But generally, they are not enlightened people and they have some existential void and they want to fill that void through the other person and vice versa. That's a problem generally because one thinks, oh, this person will make me full, but the other person is not full either and they're thinking the other person will make me full. <laughs> so they try to fill each other and hopefully on some level that helps in the contact with their higher source of fulfillment but if it's just limited to feel me, feel me, and the other one thinking, feel me, feel me, it's, it's, it won't last for too long. And it may seem love, but still, there is some degree, again, it's not black and white, there are some degree of selfishness, some degree of exploitation, and there may be some degree, of course, of sacrifice and giving, for example, the, the great noble example of a mother in this world, so much sacrifice, so much qualities that we can learn from that and, and I'm not against that now we can call love if you will but also we can present the idea well but that mother is expressing that with her children not with every children of the world that's not an, of universal application so still there is some my children they're ahamameti so again I'm not condemning the person nor, nor downplaying all the other nice things but still it, there is, has some limited application and, and it's understandable, gradually we grow in that thing. Okay, I love my children, as we always hear. I love my family, my neighborhood, my province, my state, my country, my planet, my universe, other universes, multiverse. <laughs> and eventually we reach, we reach the full-fledged theism, love of God. So, so a Sadaka is in the process of unfolding that. He has, she has the the theoretical orientation to that, hopefully, and gradually he, she will apply properly in, in, in practice. Mm -hmm. So some ideas, mm -hmm. I hope that helps. So here is already 7 p.m., mm -hmm. so I think we can stop here. Also there is kirtan here. The devotees are doing kirtan and the cows are doing kirtan simultaneously, as you may hear. <laughs> So we will stop here and I thank you very much for your time and presence and questions and I hope to, to see you next week. We will try to maintain this series on a weekly basis and this time, same time, same channel, if you will. So thank you very much. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Pramananda Hari Gaur.